Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Catch Kate podcast. Today, we have another interview, um, our nature-based series with Emer Burke, a modern-day druid who is also a psychologist and has loads of knowledge around Ireland and our roots and is going to share today some of her work and knowledge. So, Emer, welcome. How are you keeping today? Great to be here. Thanks very much. I'm delighted to to meet you, Kate. So thanks. Great. Super. Um, so nature is basically the theme of all these series mm-hmm. and nature is a big part of your world. Um, would you give us a little bit of background on yourself? Well, I am, I, like I say, professionally, I would say I'm a psychologist in private practice in Kilkenny. Uh, in terms of the nature piece, I am a druid and I am the chosen chief of the Order of Bards, Obates and Druids. It's a an order based in the UK, but global uh, with members all over the world. Uh, I'm a herbalist, I'm a storyteller. I play the harp a little bit. Um, so to, I suppose, maybe talk a little bit about druidry and what it is, given that this is about nature. It's essentially a nature-based spiritual path where we look to the landscape and the seasons as a metaphor for our lives. And we do that by uh, marking the wheel of the year. So central to our practice is having a very rich and deep um, inner world. So there's that notion when your inner landscape is in sync with the outer landscape, then there's harmony and balance in your lives. In our lives so hence every six weeks we have a ceremony to mark that so we'll be coming up in the next few weeks up to the winter solstice which is that time of going within into the darkness the stillness and restriction that time of uh, hibernation and stillness and waiting waiting recognizing that all has gone before us and then waiting for the light to be reborn so that we head towards into the light half of the year gradually Mm, yeah that's amazing following nature's season and say for anybody who's never um heard of druidism druidism um could you give a little info on like how it came about its history like which land did it come from well there's a big question um i mean certainly from the celtic lands but uh so these islands around here, so uh, Ireland, England, Wales, Scotland, but certainly Gaul, that's France, Europe. Um, people have told me going way back, you know, into Eastern Europe, the Druids were there. And I believe that even they were there in Galicia, where, or Galicia, where, um, or is that how you pronounce it? Where Paul, St. Paul wrote to them. So it goes back a long, long time. Now, um the Druids came from an oral tradition, so they didn't write down anything. So all we know about the ancient Druids are from the accounts by the Romans, which would be heavily biased, and also by the, the Celtic monks, the Christi- early Christian monks here in Ireland, which would have been biased as well. However, it's a very rich source. Uh, it's probably the only written source that we have about Druids. So very much it's a broken lineage, but... Um, I suppose it's been there. There's been a trickle all all the way down. There are essentially 
from within our own order, and this would have been written by the, the Romans as well, three um, strands to Druidry. So like the strands of a rope, you have a bardic strand and the bards of old were the, the history keepers, the storytellers, um, uh, the poets, the musicians, and they had uh, held a very important role um, within society. You know, they could bring down the power of a king if a king wasn't honouring sovereignty or didn't obey the laws of hospitality, a bard could either make or break a king. So they had a very, very important role. The second strand is, uh, in, in, in the order we call it a, no, a novate strand, that would be similar to foy. Uh, it's an old Irish word, um, uh, a poet, seer, a diviner. So in this strand, it's the healing strand, the shamanic strand, um, the, the the Ovid is the one who can navigate between the past, the present and the future, who divines, uh, who works with herbs, healing. Uh, and then the Druidic strand is the philosophical strand. So uh, it's the, the ritual holder, the, 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 celeb the celebrant, the philosopher, um, and that notion of being of service. Service is very, very important, a central part to, to Druidry. That, uh, so you, you have it's almost like that singer sage, uh, sing, singer salmon sage, that it's about your pursuit of creativity, developing your creativity, that connection with healing and nature, and the pursuit of wisdom. So, uh, we don't have um, a big book or a good book we don't have dogma we don't have a list of sins or a list of commandments but you are expected to take responsibility for your actions you look through your actions or look at your actions through an ethical lens that you are responsible for your own behavior um and being of service is a very important part of that so because we don't have any dogma so uh but we have you know a broad um or a wide range of backgrounds, you know, in terms of our membership, people come from a Christian or a, a, a pagan, an atheistic, a, a Buddhist, an Islamic tradition, it doesn't matter, or Jewish. You can be a Druid and a, and a, and a priest, a, a Druid and a Hindu, it doesn't matter. But what unites us is we have shared values around respect for nature. It's very hard to... because. <laughs> It's 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 very hard to put it all just in 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 one mouthful, and you know people's understanding of druids, druids' understanding of druidry varies as well. We have this phrase that if you asked ten druids what druidry is, you get eleven different answers. So that we're, but it essentially is that uh, creativity, healing, magic. The Irish magic is a very important part. It's not about doing abracadabra with your wand, although we do use wands, but that is to cast circles. But um, the Irish word for uh, druidry and magic is the same. It's triacht. Hmm. So for me, um, I mean, I don't come from a long line of druids, uh, but like most Irish people, you know, come from a Roman Catholic background. But druidry speaks to me and it speaks to me through the landscape and the land. And and through uh, mythology, I'm a storyteller and the old myths and the relevance that they have today. They're still very relevant um, today. Um, 
And when you were, did you always have that connection to nature, even as a young girl, where you respected it and looked to it? I did. I mean, I, I came from, you know, awfully in a rural area where when I wasn't at school, being off up the fields in the woods down by the river, unsupervised, uh, um, engaging in, in a very childlike way in nature, but just absolutely loving the magic of trees. I still do. I love being on a country road where the canopy comes over and I'm like going through a tunnel. I still get a buzz. I loved it as a child. You know, and I still get the same kind of buzz from being out in nature. Yeah. And I had the freedom to do it. There wasn't any of that question about are are you safe or unsafe? It was like off you go mm. and be out there. And it it was like in some ways I wasn't aware of it because I was so it's a bit like you know, I was a fish aware of the water in which it swims, that we were just immersed in it. Mm. That's amazing. And yeah, you don't see it that often, that kind of canopy, because I know there's a friend of mine and they have loads of trees and before it would have covered the whole road and you could really feel so sheltered and comforted. And now because of ESB lines, they're like, no, we have the right to cut all these. And it's like, what? I know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's amazing when you get to see that and the wild. And even yesterday I was wandering the fields and there's like seven wild horses down the road for me. Oh, lovely. And they were in the midst of this old lock, this old place and um, that was covered in earth, you know, for farmland. And the, the water is still coming back, like, and the trees are coming back, like it's still coming through yeah. the ground, even if it's in a small part. But the horses are in there. And I remember yesterday I was at this big ash tree and like all of the horses came around. And I was like, am I in a movie? Like, because that kind of a, scene doesn't happen often in our modern world and I'm like everybody like not many people get to experience this and I was silenced you know it's just to have wildness is so precious and it's part of us and it's like yeah I think that's why when people come to Ireland they kind of fall in love here you know Um, and and I think you know you need to go out there and look for it because people say it's not there and I said it is you leave the towns leave the cities you can find it I don't know where you live or where that place was but yeah uh, that the magic I love horses uh, I love how I get healed by horses yes um it, it's it never ceases I'm always in awe of it mm. the connection with horses and I mean you're talking about wild horses I think that's just incredible yeah and you watch them gathering around an ash tree and you go what are they picking up there they're picking up something that there's something about that tree that draws them and I've seen that with cattle and with sheep in fields people say do you see that that's where they like to go Mm. you say that's a magical place in some way yeah it's amazing and even the walkway down because of there was a massive lake you actually can feel the frosty air coming up through the ground and it's just like so potent but you know I don't know does the farmer see that that he's like covered up this magical place you know um but yeah just so they're so beyond intelligent you know those uh, species you know and, and and one thing about druidry is that we have that what's very very important is that sense of interconnectedness through all things within nature and that uh, that there is no hi- hierarchy so we're not at the top of the food chain and that it's not about oh we must look after nature it's no 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 we are part of nature we are there 
and that notion that you know trees and rocks and animals uh, have a consciousness I mean that's a lot of people say that's not true but I know from my own experience that it is and uh, and I've experienced you know the healing properties of trees by being with them not just taking a leaf or something and the the wisdom in nature in in animals in plants in trees I think it's too arrogant of us to think that they don't have that and because they don't paint pictures or they don't use our language to communicate that they're of lesser intelligence or whatever that uh, we need to lose our hubris and really connect connect with the intelligence that is there in nature super intelligent yeah um and I work with um, bees as well. So do you? I have them. I have two hives. Yeah. And and do you find that like the more you just you just let them alone, like they just do everything perfectly, you know? I, I, I wouldn't describe myself as a beekeeper. I host them. I have one commercial hive that's wild. Um, I got a swarm, one which was 2010. I'd harvest, I, they, they died. And I had opened up the hive and there I saw them dead. And then I didn't put it back properly. So I put the queen excluder in the wrong place. So I got a swarm at the summer solstice. I remember the 21st of June and the magic in the garden. Oh, my goodness. You know that the sound a swarm makes. And it, I was just I was buzzing. So excited. They went into the hive and I thought, I'm going to leave you there all summer. I'm not going to disturb you. So it came September. I better look in. And what they'd done is because the queen, queen excluder in the wrong place, they had uh built wild comb in the roof space. Mm. So I left them and I've never gone near them since. So I have a top bar hive that occasionally, I didn't harvest anything this year. Maybe I'll do it in the spring if there's anything left over. So I've had wasps come and kill all my hives and then swarms come. So I leave them. And if they swarm, then they can go and go to another place. I don't mind. I know that's considered bad beekeeping that you should be, you know, watching for your queen cells and things. I love them. I like a bit of honey. I like to get to get mead made from it. But I just love what they do in the garden. You know, when there's no bees in the garden, or maybe there's visiting bees, but then there's such a difference in the energy when I have my own bees and I hear them. And I have happy, fat bees. Because I leave them alone. There's no disease. There's no sign of burrow or anything like that. I, when I watch them, they're just really good. Yeah, I'm happy to yeah. share the heat if half of them go off and yeah. swarm, you know. And you know... Would the Brehan laws have, they'd have been long before, were they before Druidism or? No, they would have been, um, well, they say, that, okay, the Brehan laws were um, there, what is it, something like, oh, hundreds of years BC. And then it was St. Pat, was it St. Patrick? They were written down, they started to write them down around the era of Patrick. Mm. Uh, so but they had been a long time there so uh, and I mean the Brennan laws have the 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 beak tracts about about the laws around beekeeping yeah, yeah they would have been there around Riddick times as well yeah yeah there's there was one part of it whereby if the bees were on your trees or your plants or whatever that you're entitled to so much the honey and I'm like how would you even know that's their bee <laughs> you know, I know. <laughs> just a funny funny um yeah um and you also go out foraging right 
I do. Yeah. I, I don't have to go far. I just go out to my garden. Yeah. And I remember um, when Howard, my late husband, was alive. I mean, he did a lot of it because he had retired early. So he used to we home educated our children. So I was still outside working and he would do a lot of foraging. And then, you know, I just got so busy with my life. And then with COVID, you know, being here, I went back to my herbs, harvesting my herbs and making my tinctures, but a lot of foraging as well. And I remember being able to go out and pick at, at the at the height of summer, 38 plants that I could eat in my garden that I didn't plant or some I had planted. But this isn't something that I farmed. This was food that was growing in my garden between leaves of trees that were, you know, before the solstice, you can eat um, birch, you can eat hawthorn and those kind of things. And I'd have about 38 be able to collect them from my garden. I mean, magic. It's all there free. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Nature's supermarket and most of us don't see it. You know, we don't see it as food. We see it as just a, a thing or maybe for like breath or, you know, oxygen, but we don't see it as food. You know? No, and sometimes they're seen as weeds, you know, and yeah. I have loads of weeds, but you can eat them. I know. And uh, and I know people say, is that not poisonous? Because I know so many people as children were told, don't eat anything. It's all poisonous. And I think, you know, that's just to keep kids safe. But um, there's so much that isn't. I mean, most of, I assume most of the stuff is safe. Mm. And do you have any plants or herbs that, you know, you regularly use that you would have strong connection with? Well, in terms of the druid, I would use, I mean, I grow mugwort, I grow agrimony, I grow vervain, and they will be three uh, foundational herbs. I make incense. So uh, they would always be in my incense blend. And then I would have dandelion or necklace, brilliant rose. Mm. Uh, Do you make yeah. the dandelion root um, coffee? No, I don't. I'm... I haven't, I'm not a great coffee drinker and I don't mm. drink it very often. I only drink it out. I never, I have a coffee for my guests, but I don't drink it at home. Yeah. So, uh, and I don't know, I haven't had it and I think it's not going to be the same. And, you know, uh, it, it it needs to be called something else, not coffee. I know. <laughs> if you know what I mean. It's I know. Like... Landelite root, I don't know. But um... certainly as leaves and as a tincture, it's brilliant. Mm. You know, and the flowers are lovely. You can eat those. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. And say, you know, the way you ran about the leaves there, you mean you can eat them before the summer solstice or the yes. winter? Summer. The summer solstice, you know, because when they're, they're young. Soft, when they're young, except uh, lime leaves, you know, the linden tree, you can eat those all the time. They're soft. Yeah. And, and they're easy to eat where you know when you shouldn't eat them because they're they're like crisps, like they're like paper. But, yeah. you know, hoth- uh, haw leaves, hawthorn leaves are beautiful. You know, they're very soft, the, the little shoots. And they were known as uh, bread and cheese. So children would have eaten those to keep them, tie them over until they got home for their tea or whatever. So lovely, isn't it? And d- nowadays you pick a leaf off and people are like, are you all right? <laughs> you know, no, unless no. they're, you know, open and have, you know. That's right. Um, yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? Um, and... Are there particular trees in Druidism that you kind of, you were saying you gather around? Is there certain? Well, I, I suppose traditionally there would have been yew groves here in Ireland and maybe in, in, in Britain, uh, oak groves. So I plant, well, when I joined the order, then um, Howard and I, we have loads of trees, but we 
planted a circle of trees. Um, I've no more room in my garden for trees, no more. So, you know, um, I'm always interested in the ohm trees. So I have one at least of each. of So the ohm trees are represented in my garden, all, all, all 20 of them. So, I mean, birch is a beautiful tree. It's the tree of new beginnings. And it's known as the mother tree because it's the first tree to colonize new ground. So the birch tree, uh, it's like a tree of sacrifice and caring. So it provides the, the shelter and shade from the wind and the sun so that the young oak and the ash can survive and they live longer. Yeah. Uh, and the bark is, 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 is wonderful too because it's, um, you can light fires with it. You can use it as, as tinder, even if it's wet. That spark. Mm. Uh, the birch. The birch, yeah. yeah. The rowan is a tree of protection, protects you from witches. It's always good to have a rowan tree outside your door. Mm. And they provide beautiful berries. Uh, I never get to do anything with the berries because the birds come. And once the word is out that they're ready, they're gone. Yeah. I have very little berries in my house or fruit. The birds come. I live in a little oasis surrounded by intense farming. So word gets out that... <laughs> Things are beginning to ripen. Let's go and raid them. And I'm powerless. But anyway, I'm happy to share. Yes. And then the oak is a wonderful tree. It's a tree of strength, you know, and it it's the one that attracts lightning. But it's almost like it gives that spark that's in that acorn, that spark of potential that, you know, the magic of you. You look at an acorn and then you have then you look at what when you see the potential there in it, in it how much potential it it holds when you actually look at a large oak tree and it supports something like 200 different species of life. Whereas sycamore, which is an invasive tree, supports about five. Amazing. And then the trees, the tree of death and transformations. I have three of those in my garden. Which one is, uh, sorry? The yew tree. The yew. Oh, the yew is gorgeous, isn't it? So this is the tree of the ancestors. And of course, I'm conscious today is the 30th of November, the last day of Samhain. So where, uh, you know, we honor the ancestors and um, the tree, the yew tree is probably, the, it's the oldest living tree in the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, and uh, it's completely poisonous except for the, the flesh around the berry. But uh, it's associated with uh, death, transformation. And what happens after death is rebirth. Mm. So uh, you will see them in graveyards. That's mostly where you see them now. Uh, a lot of them were cut down by the Normans and our, and the English to make the strongbows and, and ships and things like that. There are a few little oak forests left. One magical one in Rinnadina Woods and uh, on the shores of Lake Killarney. Yeah, I've actually been into that one and it's um, me. I actually got lost in there and it was just yeah. the ground was like this moss that right. I I was like where am I in the world I had never and I'd seen a lot of places and I was like I was totally lost in there for hours like that moss is incredible, incredible. The color. Yeah. beautiful it was so surreal the colors you know I was like is this even a color you know yeah, yeah. Amazing. and then you have the one in the abbey you know in Muckras Abbey that um, large yew tree it's it's in the middle of the cloister and I remember the first time I went there, uh, they had blocked, there was a railing around it. I think they were doing some renovations so it was to protect the tree. And I thought, 
looking at this tree and thinking you're in prison you know it felt it looked like it and then as I was walking away from the abbey I turned back and there I saw the canopy out hanging out over the cloister this tree was free Mm. it's just magic just beautiful amazing and for anybody listening that's not has never heard of Oum would you give us a little well Oum is like it's 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 um would you say it was an ancient language or an alphabet used to um, communicate, and they say the druids used it to communicate. Uh, all we have in terms of evidence now are um on carved on uh, stones that usually were used to mark boundaries. They would give you the name, the family name of that area, but they say it was used also to communicate, and it's it's it represents. Um, you've got a vertical line and you have little notches on either side representing um, actually a Latin letter, but, and each of those are associated with a tree and you read it from the bottom up. So it looks like a line with notches on it. And um, some people say, you know, they used to, they were like, uh, they would communicate with, their shin as being the vertical line and use their fingers or their nose or there's bird ohm and all sorts of um, uh, assertions about it but uh, it's 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 a fascinating um, topic and so like so little is known about it Mm. but it's around I suppose for us with with the trees as you find you know looking at Oum, but then looking at the tree and what it might mean and its significance. There are certain associations with trees and then we're encouraged to find our own. So you sit with a tree and if you listen, it'll come to you what that means to you. Mm. And, you know, we talk about the healing properties of trees. There's the physical properties, you know, like birch is a good cleanser, for example, or um, willow bark has uh, salicylic acid in it, which is good for pain. But you can also find healing from being with a particular tree that is unique to you. Mm. Uh, so there's a lot of time encouraged in terms of our work is with, with trees. And then tree is a very good metaphor, represents time. So the roots represent the past, the trunk is the future or is the present. And then you have um, the leaves and the, and the fruit as representing the future. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing. I actually always remember when we were younger, we were brought to the forest in school and I remember somebody explaining the rings and I remember like I was shocked, you know, I was just like, no way, like rings, age, like, you know, it's like that, oh, like the kids have it, like, and it's like, how do we get that back? Because it's all there, like, you know, it's yeah. it's kind of we're like so overstimulated, we can't see it, you know, Um, there's magic all around isn't there yes there is and even watching the animals what they do you know like when it's really bright sunny morning there was one the other morning and there was loads of blue tits came and they were on one particular hawthorn and I stood underneath them and I was like oh this is really special you know I was like why are they all here you know just follow the animals (laughs) yeah yeah they know they're tuned in (laughs) that's right that's right and it's about I think it's there if you look you know, yeah. I mean, they, they they say you say say London, for example, is a great place to have to keep bees, because uh, of all the parks, 
and loads of flowers. You know, it's that kind of stuff. You think, oh, it needs to be out in the wilderness. But you can look if you look about finding the uh, finding those little, you know, the, the, the little flower in a crack in the pavement or like the buddleia that grows between buildings uh, in towns, you know, the butterfly tree. That there's uh, Once you start, I think, learning about it and becoming aware of it, then you spot it more and more and more and more. Yeah, I think yeah. that is about training yourself that you begin to find it everywhere and see it. Mm. But it's about being willing to turn your machine off and go out and actually spend time and look at the night sky. I think it's hard in a city to look at a night sky because of all the light pollution. But I'm very lucky living in where I do live. Uh, it's not hard for me, so I'm aware how easy it is. Yeah. I've already been in the woods today, you know, for a walk and seeing and feeling the magic there. Mm. And would the ocean have been a big part of Druidry? Well, all of the elements are really, really important. So uh, earth, sky and sea are the three important realms. Uh, so uh, absolutely. Uh, the power of water is very, very, very important. And if anybody's listening and they may feel the druid calling them, <laughs> is there somewhere where they could go or can they find you somewhere to ask? Well, um, the if you're interested in pursuing it, a study is um, druidry.org, www.druidry.org. My own website is because I do have ceremonies to mark the wheel of the year. Uh, people can't turn up, they need to check in with me first because I have to manage numbers but that would be kilkennydruidry.com Super and you also took part in a series Wisdom Keepers Yeah, yeah I was yes I was at the Healing Bridges Festival in, in August and I met uh, Jeremy and Miguel who, who who are the Wisdom Keeper people who are they interviewed me for an hour and so those clips that you saw are little clips from that from that that that, that interview we did Super. Um, and is there anything else you'd like to share today for people to take home? Or... <laughs> Just something around where we're going into the year, you know, we're talking about being in um, in, in harmony and balance with the, the landscape. It's really hard. There's a big challenge for us in the modern world uh, to be able to, particularly in the winter, you know, this is the time where we all get busy when in fact, traditionally we should be, you know, drawing in and gathering around the fire and uh, that to be able to, to I suppose to allow ourselves time to draw in I know there's Christmas and that now whether you're a Christian or not you can't avoid Christmas <laughs> living in a country like Ireland it's there I celebrate it culturally but spiritually it's the solstice that is so so important to me but to be able to tune into the dark and 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 allow the dark to envelop you and not be afraid of it and allow it as like a comforting blanket around you to help you renew yourself and restore yourself. That, that, that's what I would say. That's just coming to me now. Yeah. And it's in the blackness. So much potential is born, isn't it? And I love it. I don't like when I, in September, when, oh God, the days are getting longer or the days are getting shorter and the, the nights are drawing in. But once I've passed the, the equinox, okay, I'm ready. And then I enjoy the lie-in when the clocks go back. And then I find I'm in the dark. That's okay. It's just that because I love the brightness of summer. I love the, you know, the long evening is that I have so much energy to do things. 
But then when I get in here, I don't want the dark to leave me. I just enjoy that, just drawing in. So I invite people to enjoy it as well. I love caves. I love being under the ground. You know, just feeling the earth around me and the darkness. Super. That's really lovely to hear because some people are quite, some people have fear around it. Yeah. A dark time you know or slowing down because slowing down doesn't feel normal like you know it doesn't yeah. feel good for their nervous system because they don't they're not used to it um so that's really great to hear yeah um and i don't i don't know i'm saying to a couple of people now about the coffee like that doesn't help when you want to slow down because it really pumps you up you know it does it does unless you do decaf yes yeah which is what I do. People say, ah, oh, it's not worth it if it has to be decaffeinated. But I know I like cappuccino and I like it not too strong. Yeah. And it's like, that's what I have because then I don't have to worry about the, the buzz afterwards. Yeah. That, 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 that caffeinated buzz. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. I just want to, I want a bit of comfort and ease. So, yeah. but you see, but if you need the cake, that's the, that's that pull, you know? Um, well thank you Emer, for coming on to share today thank you for your time lovely chatting to you thank you um, folks if you like this episode give it a share um, or I'd love to hear from you some feedback and patrons thank you for supporting every month um, if you'd like to support you can go on to patreon.com slash catch Kate and we'll talk to you all very soon ciao